So good to be with you. Special welcome to those of you who are with us for the first time. My name is Jason. I'm one of the pastors here. If you got a couple minutes after the service, I love meeting new people. I'm going to be hanging out right down here in front. So if you want to stop by, that would be awesome and say hello. So I just want to clarify something really quick off, off the top. Uh, I just feel like enough comments have been made that I need to bring some, some clarification to something, okay? This on top of my head is not a perm. Stop, stop asking me if I got a perm. Not that there's anything wrong with that, you know what I mean? That's great. Quarantine reminded me that I have curly hair when I let it grow long, so it is what it is. Deal with it, all right? <laughs> all right, um, two, two dates I want to throw out of you guys before we get into it, really special dates. The first is Wednesday, October 21st at 6 p.m. We're going to have a prayer and worship night. God has been doing so many things in the midst of our bigger, smaller, deeper campaign. We want to make sure that we pause and celebrate those things and continue to pray for his leading in the future. And then on Saturday night, October 23rd at 530 here on our campus, we're going to have Treat Street. This will be the largest outreach event that we do. Between 2,000 and 3,000 people will be here on our campus. Now, let me clarify. Let me tell you why we do this. From day one, our vision of the church, when we think of the community that we're in, has been this. We want to be perceived as a gift to our neighbors. We want the church to be seen as a gift to the community. And so there's a lot of people that sort of are in our fishing pond that don't know that we're here. So this is a way for us to get them onto our campus and for them to experience the warmth that is you guys, the Illuminate body. And then along with that, at some point in time, they may have some pressing need in their life and they feel like, hey, I need to reach out. I need some help. Well, I had a great experience at this church. Maybe they can help me. We have people who attend the church because that's actually what's happened to them. So that's why we do what we do. So our need for that is candy. You can drop that off at a church, and then, of course, we need uh, cars to be decorated around the lot. And it's really just a super sweet time. So most importantly, though, invite the people that you know. We're going to do a, a social media frenzy on it uh, coming up here pretty soon, and we've got some flyers in the lobby as well. All right? So over the last several weeks, we've been working, on, working our way through our, uh, what we believe is our God-given vision for the future of Illuminate. And we've been using three words. Hopefully you're very familiar with these words by now, bigger, smaller, deeper. By bigger, we're talking about expanding our influence uh, throughout the uh, community and our world. We, we want to take as many people to heaven with us as possible. But at the same time as God adds to our number, it's important for us to grow smaller. That is, to connect with each other through gospel-knitted communities. Because ultimately, it's all about Matthew 28, 19 and 20, where Jesus said, go, therefore, and make disciples. That's the ultimate goal. That's what it means to put our roots down and to grow deeper, bigger, smaller, deeper. Now, you guys are smart enough to know that none of this happens without you. And without your involvement, to sum it all up is to say just that. We want to be influencers for Jesus Christ. Now, the word influencer has taken on new meaning over the last few years, right? Let me give you the, the, the um, dictionary's definition. I just made up a new word, definary. That's the dictionary's definition. That's pretty good. That's shorthand, definary. That's a good one. 
All right, this is the dictionary's definition on what it means to be an influencer. Defined as a person with the ability to influence potential buyers of a product or service by promoting or recommending the items on social media. That's, that's the definition of an influencer. So really then what, what this means is, this is all about making yourself known, making yourself great through, through your fame and popularity. And then we read the words of Jesus as he spoke them 2,000 years ago. And he puts a different spin on the concept of influencer. He says, if you want to be great, don't make it about you. If you want to be great, serve others. Take the spotlight off yourself and put it on someone else. In fact, in Matthew chapter 23, Jesus actually engages, he confronts the influencers of his day. And it might surprise you to know that these influencers were the religious leaders of his time, a group known as the Pharisees. So in Matthew chapter 23, verse 1, he says this. Then Jesus said to the crowds and to his disciples, the teachers of the law and the Pharisees, they sit in the seat that Moses sits in. In other words, what he's saying is, the things that you find in your Old Testament that were given to us by Moses, the teachers of the law bring the teachings of Moses to you. Okay? And that's a good thing. So you must be careful to do everything they tell you. As they are speaking the words of Moses, you listen. And when Moses gives his laws and they communicate those laws, the teachers of the law, then you pay attention and you obey those laws. But don't do what they do. Because they do not practice what they preach. We have a word for that. Hypocrites. See, here's the problem. They tie up heavy, cumbersome loads. And they put them on other people's shoulders. But they themselves are not willing to lift a finger to move them. What's he talking about? Well, what we know is this. The Pharisees would take the teachings of Moses and add to them. Moses said this, but the Pharisees are saying this. They're saying things that Moses never said, you know? It's like, here's what Moses said. Now, we're going to tell you, you got to do these things in addition to what Moses said. And they're like, well, wait a minute. Moses never said that stuff. Yeah, that's okay, but we're telling you. So they're heaping these burdens on top of the people, and they're just like weighing them down, and it's becoming, it's becoming difficult. Meanwhile, they don't even do the things that they speak of. But look at this. Everything, uh, are there people like this in our culture today? Everything they do is done for people to see. If that isn't the textbook definition of a modern-day influencer, everything they do, they do so that other people will see. They make their phylacteries wide and the tassels on their garments long. The phylacteries were these little um, leather boxes inside which they kept parts of the Old Testament. 
but their phylacteries were long. In other words, they were big in order to be noticed. And their tassels were long so that as, as people looked, they, they might say, wow, that per- look at it. It's really spiritual. They love, they love the place of honor at banquets and the most important seats in the synagogues. They love to be greeted with respect in the marketplaces and to be called rabbi by others, which means honored teacher. But you are not to be called rabbi. See, that's not what you're, you're to pursue. Christian, this place of prominence, for you have one teacher, and you are all brothers. See, isn't that great? That's what the foot of the cross does. It's the great leveler. As you look around the room, the thing that unites us all as brothers and sisters in Christ, in fact, the thing that unites all of humanity, they just haven't recognized it yet, is the fact that we're sinners in need of a Savior. And do not call anyone on earth father, for you have one father, and he is in heaven. We know that the Pharisees like to be referred to as father in the sense that they were viewed as everybody's spiritual father. Right? Nor are you to be called instructors, for you have one, and that is the Messiah, Jesus. Then he lays this down. The greatest among you will be your servant. For those who exalt themselves, they will be humbled. Anybody been there? And those who humble themselves will be exalted. How true. So the greatest among you shall be your servant. So this is like counterintuitive. Many things Jesus said were paradoxical. On the surface, they don't make a lot of sense from a human perspective. The words great and servant are tied together. When Jesus summarized his own purpose for coming to the earth, we read this last week, he said this, I did not come to be served, but to serve others and to give my life a ransom for many. People understand the depth of this. If any, anyone, had the right to be served, it would be the Son of God. And yet, he served mankind to the point that he died even death on a cross. So, let's have fun for a second. Let's imagine that you and I are going to reorient our lives around the purposes of Jesus and what's written in the Bible. And that's a good question, right? How, How do we do that? How do we do that? Well, I think it would start with a conversation that Jesus had when he was asked, what's the most important thing? If you can boil it all down and strip it all away, what's the most important thing? Teacher, which is the great commandment in the law? We've got a lot of commandments in the Old Testament, right? Not just uh, in the Ten Commandments, but there's a lot of other commandments that, that, that are given. Jesus is asked, what's the greatest of them all? And he said to him, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the great and first commandment, and a second commandment is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depend all the law and the prophets. In other words, everything hangs off of loving God and loving your neighbor. So here's what he's saying. The visible demonstration of your love for God is when you serve those around you. The visible, let me make this clear, Christian, the visible demonstration of your love for God is the way in which you serve those around you. In fact, you and I were actually put on this planet for this purpose. We have a lot of people in our culture running around trying to figure out, what is my purpose in life? You know, you have to understand, we live in what is really, it's like a meaningless society. And in part, that's why the world is so jacked up. 
Because everybody's trying to find meaning for themselves, but they're trying to find it from within. Meanwhile, Jesus says, if you want to find real meaning in life, you're not going to focus on yourself. You're going to focus on others. Ephesians 2.10, for we are his workmanship. We were created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. We were created for good works. Another way of saying good works is ministry. God put you on this earth for the purpose of being a minister. Think about it. God could have saved you and he could have ushered you into heaven, but he didn't. He saved you and he left you here. Why? For the great and high calling and privilege of partnering with him in advancing his kingdom. Uh, I was reminded of this talk show years ago and the host was interviewing this guy and he was this just freakishly big bodybuilder. I mean like muscles on top of muscles, right? And the host asked him, what do you do with those muscles? And the bodybuilder stood up and he flexes, right? He flexes, he strikes, and the audience goes crazy. They're cheering. And then he sits down. And then the host asked again, but like, what's the purpose? What's the purpose of having those muscles? And the guy stood up and he flexed again. And the audience went crazy. And if you're paying attention closely, if you're reading between the lines, you could see that the bodybuilder was bewildered with that one simple question. Because essentially what he was saying is, I have muscles for the sake of drawing attention to myself. Watch me. Let me ask you a question. Why do you come to church? Top answer, maybe to learn about God, understand the Bible, meet up with some friends, sing some songs. Those are all good things. Follow-up question. What are you doing with those things? Let me press in a little bit. What are you doing with those things? You know, if it's just a matter of saying, look at my Bible bicep, and you're trying to flex on everybody, there's all these verses in the Bible that call us to action. See, the Apostle Paul is mentoring, essentially, his younger protege. He's discipling this younger guy named Timothy. And (laughs) much like in our own day, Timothy was getting caught up in all of these, you know, these gaslit conversations that were going on around him. Sound familiar? Everything in the world today is gaslit. <laughs> Everything. Like, what topic do you want to bring up? Yeah. Well, the same was true with, with Timothy. And so Paul writes to him and he says, you know, be very careful about the conversations you engage in. Because, you see, many of them are just not productive. They're not healthy. More so, he says, remember this, 1 Timothy 1.5, the aim of our charge is love that issues from a pure heart and a good conscience and a sincere faith. So 
it's one thing to know the scriptures and to sing the songs and to be together and all that's really good stuff. You've heard me say many times, how does God deepen you through, th through three things, his word, his spirit, and his people. But the goal of all of that, the goal of our instruction, the reason why we come together and we study the scriptures is so that there would be an outworking of it in our lives. And that goal, according to Paul, is that it would manifest itself in loving, loving others. And so we are never more like Jesus in loving others than when we serve them. Every single Every single person who calls Illuminate their church, my hope and prayer is that you would see yourself as a minister. You say, well, wait a minute. Aren't ministers the guys that like share the stage? Or... No. I think I've told you before, I, I grew up in a church that uh, listed their ministers on the back of their bulletin. And at the very top, the word minister. And then underneath, it said the entire church family. And below that, it listed its pastors. And they're exactly right. Saints do the work of the ministry. And this is the way that we show our love for one another. The Bible says, treat all people well, but especially those in the household of faith. This is where it starts. So now the question we ask ourselves is this. Um, what is my ministry? Um, if, if we could, I'd have little badges for all of those serving. And it would simply say, Minister John or Minister Sally. Just to remind us that the work of God is advanced through the people of God. So as we talk about bigger, smaller, deeper, again, you guys are smart enough to know, it's going to take all of the resources that God has entrusted to his people, including our time. As God continues to add our, to our number, that creates more opportunity for people to serve. So it's really cool. When people join the church, I immediately begin to think, oh, this is cool. Jesus just got a new pair of eyes at Illuminate Community. Jesus got, just got a new set of hands at Illuminate Community. Jesus got, just got a new set of shoulders at Illuminate Community. You see how that works? Every person is a minister. It's really, the question is, where is my ministry? And if we're asking the question, what is your ministry? Every Christian should be able to answer that. My ministry is this. Here's how I minister to the people of God. Every church has the challenge of fighting the 80-20 rule. You know what that is, right? What's the 80-20 rule? 20% of the people carry 80% of the load. So here's, here's how I envision it. It's kind of like this. Um, Every Sunday, every time the body gets together, man, it's game day. And if you don't think we have opposition that we're fighting against, you're not reading your Bible. One of the guys that mentored me said that perhaps the most misbelieved verse in the entire Bible is the one that says, we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against the spiritual forces of darkness. Listen carefully. It is a battle. And perhaps the best way to defeat you is to make you think that there is no battle. Because if you don't think you're engaged with an enemy, you are owned. You're a pawn. And what happens is the more you begin to engage, the more you realize, ah, this is a battle. I'm feeling it. 
But through the power of God, you get to experience the victory. It's a really precious thing that happens when you begin opening up your life and serving other people because you find that service makes your life meaningful because it changes your focus. Uh, It's been said that two kinds of people walk through the doors of any church. The first person walks in and says, here I am. I am so ready for you to serve me. And some of these people, they kind of treat the church like, a, like a, their movie theater experience. You know what I'm saying? They come in, they grab a few snacks, they munch down, they kind of enjoy the show, and then they leave their junk on the floor for other people to clean up. And they feel good about it. Not realizing that there's 20% of the people who are here when it's dark outside to help facilitate a meaningful experience for you so that you, you someday you'll get it. And you'll understand that, hey, there's ministry for me here. The second person walks in the room and says, there you are. How can I serve you? Which church do you think is healthier? See, in our neck of the woods, this idea of sort of being the cruise ship church is kind of popular. I don't like that. I don't like that at all. That's what was my fear of membership, because membership means something different in this neck of the woods. Membership in this neck of the woods means, you know, you, you pay your dues and then everything's provided for you. Membership here means you pay your dues and you also give of your time. Why? Because that actually leads to life. <laughs> you know, it's like, again, so much of what Jesus said is paradoxical. You want to find your life? Give it away. Lose it in serving others. And it's not always easy, you know. It's been said that everybody wants to be a servant until you get treated like one. And people are just super rude sometimes and offensive. And so am I. And so are you. But what happens is the more you begin to step out of yourself and the more you focus on others, the more you have to rely on the spirit of Jesus and the fruit of the spirit to get you through. So you see the growth opportunity? Because otherwise you'll always be, you know, you'll be spiritually stunted if you're living in your own world where the master of your world is yourself and you continue to put yourself on that throne. It's a very uh, isolated and lonely existence and certainly one wherein discipleship is not produced. So if a person comes and they're still in that, hey, meet my needs stage, then, and that's okay. There, there are people that that's okay for a season, uh, but the, we have to admit that they haven't grown up yet. So now that what this means is that there are people who have been attending churches for years and they haven't grown up yet. It's, it's spiritual immaturity. Uh, if you're not giving your time your money, your abilities to the cause of Christ through the local church, then you haven't grown up yet. And I know I might be preaching to the choir this morning. Um, Really what's happening is that what people are doing is they're just standing up and they're flexing and producing nothing. And so I'm I'm super thankful for um, this quote from Jesus because he actually explains how 
serving makes life meaningful. He said this in John chapter 12, whoever loves his life loses it. Whoever hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal life. So the reality is, and we all know this to be true, especially as you get older, you look back over the decades and you realize, um, I've given my life to something. Hopefully it will be more than nothing, but it will be for something. When my father-in-law retired from his job, this was way back in the day when you, you were hired by a company and you worked for them for 40 years and you retired. And I remember at his retirement party, he got a really nice watch and a plaque. And I remember thinking, note to self, consider what it is that you're giving your life to. Now, everyone needs to bloom where they're planted. You can have ministry, a 40-year career in one spot as an ambassador for Jesus Christ is really compelling. Right? That's ministry. But what is it that I'm giving my life to that counts for eternity? Because I'm telling you, life is short. I've heard it said, it's not the duration of your life, it's the donation of your life. And just living for yourself, honestly, it just gets boring and unfulfilling. And in John chapter 12, Jesus says that you'll actually be rewarded eternally for your service. If anyone serves me, he must follow me. And where I am, there will my servant be also. This is classic rabbinical language. Good students followed in the feet of their rabbi. If anyone serves me, Jesus says the Father will honor him. Next week, two weeks from now, we're going to examine the parable of the talents in Matthew chapter 25. It's one of my favorites. It's incredible. Uh, but basically, it's wanting to hear from Jesus the words, well done, good and faithful servant. And the one, the one servant who gets somewhat of a reprimand gets a reprimand for, does anybody know? For being what? Lazy. Isn't that interesting? Lazy. He says, here's your problem. You were just lazy. Yeah, I read that over and over, and I'm like, wow, nailed it. Nailed it. Because here's what happens in life. People will, will begin to think, um, you know, I'm going to get around to that ministry thing at some point, but right now I've got this stuff going on. It's like saying to Jesus, you know, I've got some plans, I've got some goals, I've got some things that I think would really be cool, and I'm going to um, pursue those. I never really got around to serving you or others um, I never really got around to your plan. I was just too busy for that. I was too busy to have a ministry. And I think Jesus will say to you, first things first, I love you. I love you. And because I love you, I had this plan that involved stepping out of your comfort zone, stepping into the lives of others for your own good and your own blessing to give your life away. And I think when we all see Jesus face to face, what we want to hear is well done, good and faithful servant. And so, you know, here at Illuminate, like I said, if we're going to fulfill this bigger, smaller, deeper vision that we have, it's going to require more of us to step up. So this is that moment where the Spirit of God is nudging some of you, and you're like, okay, back off, Jason. I got it. Enough. All right? You've made your point. Others are going to leave here, and it'll be just another Sunday. It'll kind of be just another movie theater experience. We won't be all that we can be without your participation. Because Sunday, every day the church gets together, the word church means gathering. We're in this battle. We've got people that are taking the field, and then we've got people that are sitting in the stands. We want more people taking the field so that we can be influencers for Jesus Christ. So I want to introduce some really special people to you now. Uh, Hudson Garcia is our student ministries pastor. 
Heather Abrams is doing just a crazy good job with our children's ministry. Yeah, you can show them some love. If I, if I take my, my pastor hat off and I put my dad hat on, my kids have been blessed by these people and by the incredible volunteers that we have serving in these ministries. By the grace of God, I shared this, I think, last week or a couple weeks ago. We've had some of our highest numbers ever in children's ministry. Do you know how many churches would die to be able to say that? So when Jesus made this statement, he said, you know, here's the deal. Pray for more work. There's just not enough work to be done. No, I missed, that's the perversion, right? That's, that's a misquote, okay? What did he say? There's a lot of work to be done. It's those doggone laborers. There's just so few of them. So will you pray that more laborers will be sent to reap the harvest? I'm telling you, there's a harvest right now. If you don't see the harvest, that means you're totally not in the game. You're on the bench. You're not even on the bench. You're in the stand. You're, not even, you're in the nosebleed sections. So I want you to hear from some of the people that have served so faithfully. And uh, Hudson, let's start with you, brother. Yeah, thank yeah. you. So one of the great privileges I have being the youth pastor is I get to work alongside some of the greatest warriors for the kingdom of God and our youth volunteers, our youth mentors. And I get to introduce you today to Kylie and Colson France, newly married. So you guys can just show them some love for that real quick. And what I love about Colson and Kylie is it only takes a few minutes talking to them before the passion that they have for serving the church and specifically serving students just flows out of them. So I want you to hear from them this morning. So how has serving within the church impacted your guys' lives? Yeah, for me, I mean, serving's impacted my life in a way I could have never imagined. There was actually a time when I was in college that I... Uh, I was kind of first asked to serve, and my reaction, I was asked to serve in high school ministry, and my reaction was like, I am not interested. Like, that's not something that I, I think I would be good at or that I would enjoy or that I think I'm supposed to do. I've always enjoyed, like, photography and filmmaking and, and other things. So I, I made several excuses, and it's been crazy to watch over, I don't know, the last five or six years in my life as I've been involved with these different high school guys. Um, how it's totally changed my life. God's changed my focus. He's shown me the importance of investing in those younger around me. Uh, I had a guy in my life when I was in high school who uh, kind of did the same. And so it's, it's like the highest honor to be able to invest in those guys around me. Yeah, I can echo a lot of what Colson has said in, in my own life too. And we have a super personal stake in it because we met serving in um, student ministry. So it was cool the way God brought us together, um, just being in youth ministry. And we had a lot of students and students' parents telling us we should get together and date. And so just seeing the way like God used um, really like youth ministry and service as like a community for us and, and how he just aligned our lives. Um, we actually had, we hosted a, a youth event together, which was when we like started kind of dating. Um, we had, we had a bunch of students over at my place um, and, a, and a few other leaders um, were there. And then afterward, I had three students stay after and it was uh, me, my roommate and three students and they peer pressured me a little bit into texting Colson. Um, and I said something like, like, hey, let's do this again, but without the students this time. 
Let's go. Come on. <laughs> so for any of you out there single and ready to mingle, start serving within the church. Your spouse is there somewhere. Someone's saying, yes, Lord. I love it. So just real quick, how have you seen God work either in your life or in a student's life through serving? Yeah, I mean, I've seen a lot of just my own, like, personal growth happen through working with students. Um, I mean, first of all, you're just, like, learning from a new perspective, a fresh perspective. Students ask good questions, challenging questions. Um, We've talked about how um, when, you know, students are asking us questions that can, like, when you're, I don't know, when you, for both of us, we grew up in the church, and so you can get kind of in this, like, bubble where, you almost know the, the like Christian lingo and you can reiterate that to other people. But then when you come across a student who has no idea what you're talking about, it can kind of challenge you to be like, okay, I need to like, need to be able to talk about my faith in a way that um, isn't just this Christianese we kind of get used to, to saying. So um, I don't know, just challenge through questions and, and God's just used, um, used ministry just to, to grow my own faith. Yeah, I, I echo that. I one of the cool things I've seen as well is I the guys I started with uh, t- at the beginning were freshmen, and they're actually now freshmen in college. And along the way, I've been able to watch them get involved as well. One of the the guys that I was uh, his small group leader, he started leading a a group of at his school of like forty students that he would um, share the Bible with once a week. Uh, they were middle school guys, and so watching them grow and um, I guess take their own faith seriously has been really rewarding, and it's cool to see them turn around and start giving of their time as well. Yeah, and I will say what I appreciate about you guys, just to affirm it, is they are consistent attending here on Sunday mornings. Almost every 10.30 service, I see you guys. You are a part of a small group, and Colson's in law school, and Kylie's working full-time while getting her doctorate. So they definitely know what it's like to invest time. You guys could clap for that. Why not? But I would say it's because you guys have just seen the payoff of what it means to serve and invest in that way. So I appreciate you guys. And I'm going to pass it over to Heather, but could you just give it up for them one more time as they come up? Good morning. My name is Heather Abram, and I have the privilege of working in children's ministry alongside many, many amazing volunteers like Amy here. Amy is one of our dedicated, joyful, faithful volunteers who helps teach kids about the love of Jesus every single week. And she has, yes, we can clap for that. Uh, She has so graciously agreed to share a little bit about her experience. So, Amy, tell us a little bit about yourself, your family, and how long you've been attending Illuminate. Okay. Um, I grew up in Virginia, and then I moved out here in 2000, and I got married to my husband, Matt, and we've been married for 20 years, and we have a daughter who will be seven next month and a son who will be five next month, and we've been at Illuminate about a year. Awesome. And what made you jump into serving in kids' ministry? Well, what comes to mind when I think of that, I grew up, like I said, in Virginia, and it was a smaller town, smaller church, and the culture of that church, you didn't just attend. Everybody pitched in, and we all worked together. And so from a very young age, we were asked to help. I mean, I remember being super excited to get to ask to carry the offering plate. It was (laughs) quite a privilege to carry that and pass it down the aisle. So it was just ingrained in me from a young age to not just attend, to also 
serve while you're there. And then when we came here, I love to work with kids, so it was just a natural step to volunteer. Yeah. And what's been the impact on your life in, through serving in children's ministry? Well, I have incredibly fond memories of being a child and the people who served and taught me. And I still, when I go back to visit, you know, the teacher who is very old now, who I had in, in preschool, she still, you know, always makes a point to come say hi to me. So I was very impacted by people who served me and still have relationships with those people. And so it's an honor to be the one now to share the love of Jesus and to just love kids that come through our door. And what would you say to people who may be a little bit hesitant um, to serve in children's ministry? Well, I'm, I'm pretty passionate about it. So I feel like, especially having nearly a five and seven year old, I know that there's lots of noise out there in the world. And I know if, if we don't fill their heads with truth, it's gonna, somebody's gonna fill their, their brains and their hearts with lots of messages out there. So I, I just think it's really important that kids that come through our door, that we're there to, to love them, show them truth and teach them truth because they may not hear it anywhere else. And then, I don't know, I think everybody likes a little comic relief. Kids are just hilarious. My own kids, when I, every time I serve, my seven-year-old, she goes, mommy, mommy, what funny story do you have for us today? Because they just, I mean, they're just, they're just really funny. <laughs> So true. So now that you are all dying to sign up to serve in kids ministry, we will have a table out in the lot. We can answer any questions you have, give you more info, sign you up. We have needs with babies, preschool, elementary, Shine, which is our special needs ministry, and even check-in in the lobby, both services. So we'll see you out there. They make it super easy. You don't have to, you don't reinvent the wheel or plan it. They, we get to have the fun. They do, Charlie and Heather, they plan it, get all the supplies. I mean, you walk in and everything's all prepared and you just get to have fun. So Fun and easy. Thanks, guys. Thank you, guys. Appreciate it. So those two ministry students and, um, and um, children's ministry, obviously right now in the church and the growth of the church represent our two biggest needs. Uh, everybody gets a, an absolutely thorough background check before they serve with our kids or students because the safety of our kids is the most important thing. And you may be listening right now and you're like, kids, okay, all right, here's the deal. I don't know, there's probably upwards of 30 or 40 ministries at this church that need you. So we're gonna end a little bit, a couple minutes early today for the purpose of letting you guys go. Out in the lot, there are a number of different ministries that are represented there. Would ask you just to stop by Pick up some info if you're not already connected. Just kind of get a feel for what's out there. Pray and see what the Spirit of God does. We need you. We need you. If you're not already on the field, we need you. And let me lastly say, for those of you who have been serving so faithfully, thank you. Yeah. More importantly, the scriptures are clear. God sees you. God notices you. I know it's not always easy. It's true. I'm going to be a servant until you start getting treated like one. You start getting treated like a servant. And then comes the opportunity to manifest the Spirit of God in your life. So thank you for that. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Pray with me. Father, 
God, it's such a blessing to be part of this local body and how you're working here and the things that you're doing. And God, the prayer of Jesus is our prayer that your spirit would move amongst the hearts of your people to begin engaging in in new ways so that ultimately they can experience where real joy and meaning in life is found. We want to find our lives. We lose it. We give it away in selfless service. God, as we look to the future and we think about all that you want to do in us and through us, we pray with great anticipation, Father. May this day for some be a real turning point in terms of their understanding of what the scriptures say and their, their following that in obedience. Lord, pray a special blessing on them. Father, personally, I thank you for all those who serve and who make illuminate what it is. God bless them for it. We pray it in the name of your son, Jesus Christ, and God's people said, amen.